0: This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, November 18th, 2021. This week's Intigo Mac Podcast security headlines include Apple announces a new self-service repair program. Can just anyone repair their own iPhone? And just in time for holiday shopping, we have some tips on security considerations to make when you see those good-looking Black Friday deals. Now, here are the hosts of the Indigo Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Indigo's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing fine. Do me a favor. What
1: day is it? Can you check your calendar? Oh, today? Oh, it's
2: Wednesday, November 17th, as we're recording this.
1: It's not April 1st. No. Because Apple made an announcement that I thought was an April Fool's joke today. Their press release is talking about a self-service repair system. It says, Apple parts, tools, and manuals, starting with iPhone 12 and 13, available to individual customers. So that means that if you break your screen, or if, if I need to change my battery, I can just contact Apple, and they'll send me the parts and the tools, and I can do it myself. This is
2: like a dream come true for people who want to be able to repair their own things.
1: Well, it is, because we talked about many times the right-to-repair movement, since Apple and other manufacturers make it so hard to repair these devices. I think the right-to-repair people want to go a bit further. They want to be able to buy the parts on their own, but here you're getting them from Apple. But they say that you can change the screen, the battery, or the camera module, and... I'm thinking, well, there's two things. First, a lot of people are going to try to do this who are going to find it extremely difficult. We'll talk about that in a minute. But second, if more people can do this, it'll make it a lot easier for people to get these repairs done with Apple Parts. Because if you're not near an Apple store, you don't have an opportunity to get these repairs. When I had to replace, under Apple Care the battery of my iPhone 11 in June, it was a half a day. It was an hour to get to the store. I had to wait two hours for them to make the change and another hour's
2: drive home. So if I could do this at home, this would be really interesting. Yeah, well, you won't be able to do that with your iPhone 11 if that happens again. But the 12 and 13... are <laughs> point, yeah. But, but the 12 and 13 uh, are the first two Apple devices that are going to be part of this program. And they do say that it will soon be followed followed... followed up by Mac computers featuring M1 chips. So that's interesting, too. So they're going to be including Macs in the same self-repair program.
1: Yes. Now, when the new MacBook Pros came out recently, I saw a number of people, I think it might have been the iFixit takedown, showing that the batteries looked like they were replaceable, which would have been the first time in many years a replaceable battery was in an Apple laptop. And this explains why, that over time, if you need to replace the battery, they'll send you the new battery, they'll send you the tools to open the Mac, and you'll be able to take it out and plug it in instead of things being
2: soldered. This is really interesting. I wonder why the the change of heart or change of uh, process, why they're allowing people to do this all of a sudden. Is this like, well, are they bending I, to pressure from the community, the, the self-repair community or I, what?
1: I think there are several states in the U.S. and maybe the European Union looking into the right to repair thing, saying that Apple preventing people from doing their own repairs is anti-competitive. Now, again, you've got to buy these parts from Apple, but you will get genuine parts and tools and manuals and... I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a YouTube video from iFixit showing changing a screen on either an 12, iPhone 12 or 13, and I'm telling you, this is not for the faint of heart. I don't know that I'd be comfortable doing this.
2: No, and, and I've pulled apart many, many devices. I've replaced screens, I've replaced batteries and all sorts of things in a variety of different devices, Apple and otherwise, and I would not be the kind of person who would want to take apart my own iPhone. Uh, the iPhone is is way more delicate and and complex, you know, to work in such a tiny little space um, than you know, any other device that I've ever worked on. And I've worked on some very small devices, but these don't come apart easily. It's like you say, it's not for the faint of heart. Some years ago, I changed a hard drive in a Mac
1: Mini. If you've ever opened a Mac Mini, you know that this is difficult because you have many layers to take off before you get there. And lots of tiny little screws that you have to make sure you don't lose. Now with an iPhone, looking at this iFixit video, there aren't that many screws. My guess is that Apple even sends you a few extra ones in case you lose them. But they're small, and there's little bits you need to take out with tweezers, and it doesn't look that simple. So I'm interested to see what happens when they start doing this. They say this will be available early next year in the US and then expanding through additional countries throughout 2022. It's it's kind of strange. Now, I can understand that they would do this for, let's say, a business that has 1,000 iPhones and wants to be able to replace batteries for their own iPhones, and and this kind of is the flip side of what we talked about last week, their new business initiative, where you can pay a monthly fee per user and you can get access to Dreamline repairs and, and support and all this. So this could be all part of a new Apple approach to dealing with device repair and health.
2: Yeah. And there have been limited programs, um, from Apple for many years where a company can enroll in these programs to be able to repair their own devices and be able to get some genuine Apple parts from Apple. Um, and it usually requires that you, you know, you have a team member who is Apple certified and there's a lot of hoops that you usually have to go through, but this, this is interesting because now it sounds like individuals even will, uh, as well as these, as probably more independent repair providers will be able to have access to these parts. Uh, And not just the parts, but also the information on how to properly take apart these devices and put them back together. Um, So this is, I I feel like this is definitely a step in the right direction um, for for those who want to be able to repair their own devices and not have to rely on Apple. Or like you say, people who are in remote areas where there just isn't an Apple store nearby, if you're really good at working with tiny devices and you're comfortable, you know, taking a screen off an iPhone, um well, pretty soon it sounds like you'll be able to to repair your own devices, which is pretty cool. I actually like that Apple is moving in this direction.
1: In Apple's press release, they talk about how they design products for durability, longevity and increased repairability. I'm on the iFixit website. The iPhone 12 screen replacement has 27 steps, time required one to two hours. And it's in four sections. It talks about the pentalobe screws, taping over the display, the display assembly, the earpiece speaker and front sensor assembly. Because remember, when you replace a screen, there's not just a screen there. There's a a lot of other things. I wouldn't want to do this, honestly. If I'm changing a battery and I'm saving the time of a half a day's drive, I don't even know that I'd want to try it. The battery, they say, is 42 steps, one to two hours. I don't think that that's necessarily safer than spending a half a day with a couple hours in a shopping mall waiting, even though these days you want to hang out in a shopping mall. But still, I'm a little bit
2: leery about how this is going to happen. One more note, um, since we, we mentioned iFixit and and how they have, you know, teardown guides and repair guides and things like that. They have a score from 1 to 10 uh, a repairability score, and um, just so you have some idea of the difficulty level, a one is like you know you can't repair it; it will be destroyed, and there's no way that you can repair it. A ten is perfect; like everything is exactly right. And I fix its score for the iPhone 12 Pro is a six. The iPhone 13 Pro is a five, so it's like right right in the middle. Um, it's not an easy repair to do, is how I would categorize that. Yeah, I'm looking through, I'll put links in the show notes
1: for the battery replacement here, and I'm looking through, you've got tweezers to remove the battery and display connector cover, then you have to disconnect the battery with tweezers, then the display cable, you disconnect with tweezers, then the digitizer cable, you disconnect with tweezers, and you know how it is with these devices, if you pull a little bit too hard, it's broken, and so, what will happen if, okay, I'm not an experienced Apple genius and I
2: did pull a little bit too hard? Is Apple going to say, too bad it's your fault? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, guess, I guess there's probably some more details that we need to find out about how exactly this program works. But um, the press release sounds pretty good, at least. It's well done. Yes, yeah, very good
1: in the press release. <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, I had my iPhone SE battery replaced. There had been issues with some batteries in the iPhone SE. And something like a year after I got it, the battery was, was dying. And they did this really interesting thing. They sent me a phone. And I copied my data over to it and I sent it back. And why couldn't they just do that for battery replacements, especially under Apple care? I can understand if it's not under warranty or Apple care, it's different. But when you've got Apple care, why aren't they doing that anymore? That would be a lot easier. Okay, we've got new malware, CDDS.
2: What does this mean, Josh? Well, CDDS is the name of this new Mac malware. This is actually something relatively new um and w- there are a couple things that are kind of interesting about it one of the less interesting things and unsurprising things is that um we've seen this distributed in the form of a trojan horse that pretends to be flash player okay so that part's not too interesting however this does seem to specifically target chinese readers because uh, the dialog boxes in this fake Trojan horse installer app are in Chinese.
1: And it's worth pointing out that the dialog has that little flash player icon again.
2: Yes. Um, So the really interesting thing about this, though, there's some sort of complicated history, but this malware actually leverages a vulnerability that was fixed for macOS Big Sur way back in February However, this wasn't fixed in Catalina until September. 234 days passed between when Apple fixed this vulnerability for Big Sur, which was at the time the most recent macOS version, and the time they they released this same fix for Catalina. And it seems like what actually happened here, and the only reason that they even patched it for Catalina, presumably, is because this vulnerability that is being exploited by this malware was being exploited in the wild, like it was found to actually have been used in the wild. Once again, this is, this is another case of uh, Apple only necessarily patching things for the current operating system, but not for previous ones. Um, another interesting thing about this, too, is that Apple actually didn't mention that this vulnerability even existed when they released the macOS Big Sur 11.2 update that included this fix, they didn't say anything about it at the time. It wasn't until September when they released a patch for Catalina that they went back and updated the macOS Big Sur 11.2 release notes to mention that they also included a fix for this. Well, they
1: do that sometimes when they don't want to announce something that's fixed in one operating system and not fixed in another, right?
2: Yeah, but that, that does make for some interesting points of conversation, though, right? Because how many other vulnerabilities is Apple fixing and not saying anything about in the release notes. Yeah. Maybe because they're only releasing the fix for the current operating system and not for, you know, any other operating system versions. That's really interesting because that could... Remember, we've we've talked uh, in recent months about how, um, you know vulnerabilities that we know of there are many many vulnerabilities that are not getting patched for the the one previous or especially for the two previous versions of mac os but now this makes me wonder are there a whole bunch more vulnerabilities that are only getting patched for the current operating system that we don't know about just because apple has chosen not to disclose that in their in their security release notes that's kind of surprising Well, we'll have an article up on the Mac security blog, um, with some more details about what's going on here about the vulnerability and how it was leveraged and suffice it to say for, for the purpose of this podcast. Yes. If you have Intego security products, you are protected from CDDS malware.
1: Okay. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about black Friday.
0: While you're shopping online for holiday deals this week, Intigo has an extra special offer for Intigo Mac podcast listeners. Listen to this. First-time buyers of Intigo's Mac Premium Bundle X9, the ultimate Mac protection and utility suite, can get up to 65% savings. Now, to take advantage of this very limited time offer, you must use the special promo link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com between November 19th and December 2nd, 2021. Save up to 65% but only between November 19th and December 2nd, 2021. Tell your Mac-using friends and family or get Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 for them as a holiday gift and you will get up to 65% savings. Remember, use the special promo link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. And while you're there, you'll also find great deals on Intego Privacy Protection VPN and Intego Antivirus for Windows. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. And now for Windows, too. So, it's Black Friday soon.
1: We're recording us on the 17th, releasing it on the 18th, a week before Black Friday. But you know, Black Friday's already started in a lot of places. I'm seeing Black Friday deals here on a number of websites. Amazon UK has some. They all start early. And the thing to remember now is Black Friday is not a day. It's a month almost, right? It starts in, you know, mid-November. It's going on to Cyber Monday right after Black Friday, which used to be very different. Cyber Monday used to have a different tone from Black Friday. And then it's going to run for, you know, however long until it kind of just blends into pre-Christmas sales that blend into post-Christmas sales. Things are a little bit different this year because with a lot of supply chain constraints, there may be things you want to buy that aren't available. So you may end up going back to something that might be your second or third choice. And one of the things about Black Friday that that you like to talk about is the risk of buying old devices that might not be secure and might not even be updatable to protect against the latest security threats.
2: That's right. Yeah. Just about every year, I like to update this one particular article that we have on the Mac Security blog about Black Friday deals that may be bad for your security. It never ceases to amaze me that eBay seems to be one of the worst offenders in this regard. Every single year, there are are deals that are featured it's not, not I'm not even talking about things that you search for on eBay and happen to find old and you know, not updatable hardware. Um, but these are actually featured deals. even to this day, even before we started recording the podcast, we double checked on both the eBay, US and UK sites, and we were able to find featured deals quote-unquote, deals for an iPhone 6. The most recent version of iOS that you can run on it is iOS 12.
1: That's three years old. And it's not just that it's three years old, but it's not getting any more security updates, is it?
2: Well, no, not officially. Um, Occasionally, Apple has released uh, a patch for a specific, you know, known to be exploited in the wild vulnerability for iOS 12. Um, But they don't have any official publicly stated policy about uh, releasing any kind of security updates for iOS 12. So it's like, if they happen to release a security update for iOS 12, you know, it was something really bad because they knew it was being exploited in the wild and they're just trying to cover themselves. Right. Um, So Basically, yeah, you should not assume that iOS 12 is getting updates because the vast majority of security bugs are not being fixed for iOS 12, which is a really big problem. It means you should not be using these devices to browse the Internet, for example, because now you're using a really old, really out of date version of Safari that has a lot of known vulnerabilities. Um, And yet eBay is still including these as featured deals in their sales, so you have to be really careful about this. Obviously, it's not just the iPhone. Um, in the past, I've seen lots of, you know, iPads. There have, of course, have even been Android uh, models as well, both phones and tablets. Um, and there's, I'm sure, a lot of other devices too. If you really, uh, you know, look for for deals in different sections of their site. Um, But these are featured deals. So these are even things that are not just something that you happen to search for that happen to come up in search results, but eBay is actually pushing people in that direction. That's what I find most shocking about this.
1: Yeah, eBay UK has a big banner on the day that we're recording talking about Black Friday deals, 20% off. And when I went there and started scrolling through the iPhones, there are a whole bunch of iPhone 6 models. Now, it's understandable. There are companies that buy used iPhones. We've talked about selling iPhones and other products. They buy them, they refurbish them, and they resell them. And there are people who want to buy a cheap phone. You can get a iPhone 6 for, what, 60 or 70 pounds, so less than 100 bucks. But there is no warning about any potential risk. And the people who are going to buy these are definitely not computer savvy people. Uh, So you're probably better off not buying anything that's that old. Because remember, we're up to iPhone 13. So the iPhone 6, even if the numbers don't always match the years, that's a long time ago. Because iPhone 6 was one year, the iPhone 6s another year, etc. cetera. But that's, what, that's like eight years ago now or nine years ago? You don't want a phone that old. It's you're really
2: not worth it. But that's exactly the thing, is that a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people will see, oh, wow, I can get an iPhone for like a 100 bucks? Like, that sounds like a great deal. And I want to, I've been thinking about maybe getting an iPhone for my kids. You know, they, that might be a thought. Um, or... Like you said, maybe a maybe a business has a need to buy a bunch of devices. They want some small portable device that, you know, employees can, can carry around a store or whatever it might be. And so they might happen to see a quote unquote deal like this and think, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Um, I'll just buy up a bunch of those right now. Um, and people don't necessarily know exactly what they're getting and there's no warning. So, um, that's the other problem. One is that they're featuring these, these ancient devices that are not getting support anymore. And the other big problem is that they're, they're not giving any kind of warning and and you'll find the same thing by the way, on Amazon too. If you happen to, to find, uh, you, you can find anything on Amazon practically, right?
1: Yeah, through their marketplace program where third parties can sell things. Exactly.
2: But it's not always super clear what is something that Amazon is actually selling versus somebody else selling through Amazon because they sort of come up in the the listings and they look very similar. And you have to really look to see who it's actually sold by um, to notice that whether something is really being sold by Amazon or by a third party. It's not super obvious necessarily. Uh, and and there are lots and lots of old devices um, on eBay, Amazon, and I'm sure a number of other retail sites uh, where it's just not getting any updates anymore, but there's no warning. There's no warning. And so you've got to be really, really careful about things like this.
1: One thing you point out is never buy an outdated Wi-Fi router. And I don't know why anyone would, because... Rooters aren't that expensive, I mean good. Mesh Wi-Fi systems, that's a different story. But a plain router isn't that expensive. Now, over here, you generally get a router from your ISP. I know that if you have cable uh, internet in the US, you'll probably get a router from your cable provider. And the people who buy routers are generally the ones who know a little bit more if they're adding on a router or adding on a Wi-Fi system. But you should never buy one that's outdated. And we've talked many times about not getting security updates. And also, they just won't be up to the latest Wi-Fi standards.
2: Well, and that's one of the things that might get you to buy something is that it, you know, for example, let's say that you know you have a particular, um, you know, Wi Fi router at your home, and maybe they have uh, a, a slightly newer version. Maybe it's a version that came out a year or two after yours. Maybe yours is really, really old. And so let's say you've got a, uh, an 802.11n wireless router, and you happen to see, Uh, that there's an AC router available. And you go, oh, cool. That sounds like that's probably a lot newer than what I've got. So... The thing is, AC is now also an outdated standard, which you may not be aware of. Um, AX is the latest standard now.
1: Yeah, it's complicated because AX is Wi-Fi 6 and not many devices can work with that. So I don't think many people really need to worry about getting the latest Wi-Fi 6 router.
2: Well, right, not for speed or or other reasons like that, but but where this becomes a problem is that a lot of times they're trying to clear stock of those older AC routers And so they'll offer them a lot cheaper and it's those very routers that they're offering at an extreme discount that often are not getting updates anymore from the manufacturer. And that's where you could be, at risk. In some
1: cases there are just it's just not possible to update them. And that's the same with some old Android phones. Another thing you point out is internet of things devices, you say you know, cheap or off-brand internet of things devices, smart lights and all those things, um they're dangerous whether they are black friday or not, they're dangerous. I was looking recently for I wanted to get one of those devices you plug into a power outlet that tells how much power is being used and there are hundreds of smart plugs from all these Chinese companies and some of them are Wi-Fi and some are Bluetooth. There's no way I would trust any of them. There is one company that makes one Eve. Do you know Eve that makes smart home stuff? Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. They used to be Elgato that was well known for a number of like um, TV recording devices and things. Yeah, yeah. And they have a good line of products and they're sold on the Apple store online But when you look at all these other companies, I would just not buy any of those things. I would recommend against it. They they might seem like a good thing to get on a bargain on an Amazon deal, but it's probably not worth it. So in addition to the specific deals we talk about in the Black Friday article, we have an article about Cyber Week, Cyber Monday, and some essential tips to stay safe shopping online. So the first one, and, and we've said this We don't really do this every year, but every time we talk about Black Friday and Cyber Week, Cyber Monday, shop on familiar websites whenever possible. Now, I said earlier, with supply chain constraints this year, you may be looking for a certain product and not be able to find it on your usual websites. You go to Google and you click the shopping tab and you'll find a lot of stores and online things that sell things. And what what I notice in, in devices that interest me, for instance, I'm interested in photography and I'm looking for a camera or a lens. Google Shopping will show me maybe Amazon and eBay and then a bunch of camera stores. And then you get these companies with funny names that are selling things for like 20% less. And that's what's called gray market stuff. It's things that are imported without the manufacturer's approval on which you don't get a warranty. They might be companies that are in a different country that are drop shipping to you. And if you're going to buy anything expensive, you just shouldn't do that. I mean, I know that if you're buying an expensive lens and you can save a couple hundred dollars, that's enticing. But what happens if something goes wrong or if it breaks? And- It's not just Amazon and eBay that are trusted brands. You know, if you're going to buy an Apple product, buy from Apple. If you're going to buy other electronics, I mean, Fry's Electronics, Best Buy, brands like that, you know, the brands that you've seen in shopping malls that you're familiar with, you can buy from them online and you can trust them. If you do want to shop on sites that are less familiar, then our our second tip is to shop safer on these less familiar sites. Check out the ratings of websites on Trustpilot or other places. And one interesting thing to keep in mind is when you're paying with a credit card, You don't want to give that number to a website where they may be actually holding onto the number and it might leak or be reused. You can get a virtual credit card number. And this is is something that's not that common where I am in the UK. There are some companies that do it, but I know in the US, it's relatively common
2: to have either a prepaid or a virtual credit card number. One company that's really popular that I hear ads for in the US is Privacy, privacy Privacy.com. There's another one that you mentioned in the article called Revolut, R-E-V-O-L-U-T t.com and those are both places where you can you can either have a a free account, um, and get some basic features or you can pay and get, uh, you know, additional cards, additional features, but these are virtual credit card numbers, which is really cool because then you can give a specific credit card number to a specific company that maybe you are just buying from once and you don't necessarily trust them to have your regular credit card information. And you can do things like limit it to this one seller, limit it to a particular, you know, Uh, dollar amount or just one transaction even. Um, There's a lot of cool things that you can do with virtual credit cards that give some additional protection.
1: Another protection is to use Apple Pay and not to push Apple's product. But Apple Pay does not transmit your credit card number. It transmits a sort of a token. So the merchant can't even get your number. So you're protected a lot more if you do it that way.
2: Yeah, I, I still haven't set up Apple Pay. I need to get that done at some point.
1: After all these years, <laughs> I use it regularly. The thing is, sites that are going to scam you are unlikely to be using Apple Pay, with the exception that you can use Apple Pay if you set up a store through something like Shopify, where all the options are available. So if it's a store I don't know, I'm more likely to want to use Apple Pay if it's available. One other thing, and this is always a problem, is fake reviews. And more and more on Amazon, I look for something. It's got eight thousand wonderful reviews, and then we have an article, "How to Spot Fake Reviews," where I research some of these things on FakeSpot, which is a website that analyzes reviews. And some of them are just, you know, seventy-five percent fake. Now, think about it. When you've got. 100 Chinese companies selling exactly the same thing, and you can tell they've all got exactly the same photo and different company names, and the price is a little bit different. How do they differentiate among the companies? How wh- What sells the product? And the only difference between them is the number
2: of reviews and the average number of stars. Right, exactly. And this is something that uh, you can easily get tricked by, because if you're not reading the reviews really carefully, or if there's just a lot of reviews and you can't really go through them all, um, then you know if somebody is... St- you know, hiring people to write fake reviews or using bots or however they're packing the reviews to make their, uh, their rating a lot higher. It may not be obvious. And I use fake spot all the time. Even when I'm just buying from a third party on Amazon, I always want to check the fake spot adjusted rating is how they put it. Um, so they give a, you know, a letter grade. So sometimes, very rarely, I find um, a lot of the the four point something star um, ratings, um, they usually are like a B grade or below, anywhere from B to F. It's very rare that you find something that's almost five stars and actually gets an A rating from Fake Spot.
1: Yeah, but look at some of the reviews where someone writes a review of a book, arrived quickly. And someone gives a five-star review. So <laughs> right. it, it, it's, its is it a fake review or is it someone who just got that email from Amazon asking them to review the product and said, well, this is all I have to say? So, yeah, you know, I noticed one thing today on Amazon, and this is something to pay attention to with electronics. I wanted to buy a screen protector for one of my cameras. And you can get them from, let's say, 7 pounds up to 15 pounds. And this one has four or five reviews, because they don't have a lot of reviews for because they're very for specific models. And then this one, you can get two for like 10 pounds, because it's always good, because if you mess up getting the screen protector on, it's good to have a second one. And then here's one that's 16 pounds, which is a well-known company. So I was thinking the one in the middle with the two screen protectors, that might be a good deal. But it's not shipped by Amazon. So I looked to see where it was shipped from. Where do you think it was shipped from? My guess would probably be China. Exactly. More and more stuff I'm seeing on Amazon that's shipping from China. And there's two things going on. One is you don't know how long it's going to take. Two is you might end up paying customs duties when it comes to you. And there's no warning about this. And I think Amazon should be much more upfront about this.
2: You can often tell that um, something is going to be shipping overseas if if there's a longer uh, delay on how, how long it's gonna be before the product will arrive. And that, that is something that um, you can do, of course, if you're shopping on Amazon, you can filter by things that are have prime delivery, and that filters out a lot of this stuff that's gonna take longer than a couple of days to get to you.
1: Okay, we're gonna have links in the show notes to the article about Black Friday and some more tips about shopping safely online. And until next week, Josh, stay secure. All
2: right, stay secure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com.